Hello. Welcome back to Full Time with Meg Linehan. Today, I am joined by Lori Lindsay, and we hit all sorts of topics from NWSL to U.S. Women's National Team to also just how much we love Jen Hildreth. So there's a little bit of something in there for everyone. So, you know, just a small news item between last week's show and this week's to start us out with our news recap but Alex Morgan is heading to Tottenham for the rest of the year. Paul Tenorio and I broke this story at The Athletic on Friday, and Spurs announced the deal on Saturday. The plan is for Morgan to be back ahead of the NWSL season, but Spurs can give her a training environment through the end of the year and meaningful game minutes as she looks to return to play ahead of the 2021 Olympic roster. More on that story on The Athletic. Two big games this past weekend in the NWSL as well. The Spirit defeated the Chicago Red Stars 2-1 in the early game on Saturday, and then the Dash and the Courage put on a terrific show for television, even though they weren't even originally the game scheduled for the big CBS time slot. It was a 4-3 thriller, and Dabinia scored a brace, including what I would argue is one of the finest goals of 2020 across the Challenge Cup and Fall Series so far, though Shea Groom is in that mix for me as well. Portland Thorns FC were supposed to host OL Reign for that big CBS game, and while it was originally postponed to Tuesday due to air quality concerns due to the massive wildfires out west, the teams in the league ultimately made the call to push it back to later this month. That game is now scheduled for September 30th at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific, and it will be streamed on Twitch. The TV ratings are also in for Houston versus North Carolina and another solid week with an average of 370,000 viewers for the game, only just behind the main Premier League match on NBC Sports on Saturday in terms of soccer ratings. Now, before we get to Lori, I know I did my big pitch last week at the top of the show, along with some personal news about my future with The Athletic, and this version will be shorter, I promise, or at least I hope. I do think that one of the best things about working at The Athletic is the people that I actually get to work with, The entire soccer team from my editors, Brooks Peck and Alex Abnos, who don't just have to keep up with my somewhat absurd hours, but our entire teams, thanks to Paul, Sam, Pablo, Jeff, Matt, Felipe, and Chris. Now, Paul Tenorio in particular has been incredible as I have roped him into the women's soccer world, particularly on the breaking news front, but it is especially helpful since breaking news might actually be my least favorite part of the job. That's a little secret I'm willing to let y'all in on. I always want to get these things right. Paul's the exact same way, but Paul can also tell you that there are guaranteed to be some texts from me stressing out before any story goes live. But it's a good thing to have that infrastructure of media coverage in women's soccer to actually get breaking news like this. We also have the benefit of the entire Athletic UK team. Now, Katie Wyatt will actually be joining us in October to lead the coverage of women's football for the UK, and I'm really excited to work with her as well. So there's the reason for me, you know, maybe you subscribe for my NWSL coverage and for my articles, but these aren't just a product of my work or a product of my brain, right? Like they don't spring fully formed from my forehead. (laughs) I will vouch I am the slowest writer on the face of the planet. And there's an entire team here and their support and their own work is absolutely worth it as well. And right now, you can subscribe for $1 a month at theathletic.com slash full-time just for listening to this pod. That's theathletic.com slash full-time. I hope you join us, and I hope you stick around for the long haul. Okay, so my guest this week, Lori Lindsay, is one of the main voices you hear every week as you tune into NWSL matches, but obviously she had her own fantastic playing career with the U.S. national team as part of the 2011 World Cup roster, and she played in every single women's pro league here in the U.S., 
She also currently serves on the Athletes Council for U.S. Soccer Board as well. And I just also, you know, deeply appreciate her as a human being and also all of her Instagram posts as well. So here's Lori. So first, I do want to start us off with this past weekend, (laughs) you're supposed to call Portland against OL Reign. Then like two days before the game, I'm sure you got a phone call that was like, hey, guess what? We're changing this to Houston, North Carolina. So I I would like to talk to you about the transition of going from a player to calling games because I feel like any sort of sense of both what Jen Heldreth does as play-by-play and what you do as an analyst, that is not a skill set I have at all. I cannot imagine trying to talk my way through 90 minutes of a game on live television, especially now on big CBS. Like that to me, like doing this podcast is like low key terrifying, right? Doing video. Now that I'm doing video is like way terrifying. Doing what you do scares the absolute shit out of me. So I can only imagine getting that phone call of like, Hey, I've done all this prep work for Portland. OL rain. Let's throw it out the window. We're getting a completely different game. So like, what's your thought process when you get a call like that? Yeah. Well, you know, great question. Um, it's, it was interesting because the whole time I'm like, this does, this is getting worse, right? There's no way that this game can be played. And we heard some rumblings behind the scene that this potentially could be the case. But um, yeah, I mean, we had done all the prep and like I pull clips, right, for the open and stuff. And we talk, we figure out who we want to talk about and how, we, what angle we're going to go. So you're kind of like, great that whole entire format we have for the entire like not 90 plus minute show right is out the window and now we're scrambling I think the the good thing is is like this is why I love the work so much is because it feels so much like playing and I mean even and we don't need to go into everything that 2020 has presented but we all know that the I think the best word is it has been the wildest year so at any point in time there's like curveballs Mm -hmm. and so um and it was like, that makes sense. So we are transitioning and here we go. We're going to this other. And, and the good thing is it was almost like there was already some built-in storylines. So it was quick mm-hmm. for us to be able to like kind of rally and we know the teams, right? right. And, um, I really love the fact that like there's new faces. I mean, yes, you wrote an amazing article and there's been all this like talk about players going overseas and that's a whole nother conversation. But um I think there's a lot of storylines in terms of young players getting um, minutes. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it feels a lot like playing. That's how we were able to transition so quickly because it's like at any moment, you kind of have to be ready for something. And that's what it felt like. And it was like, okay, here's the deal. We're going to have to like revamp and go. And um, and also sometimes like that is when the best work is, right? Even on the field too. (laughs) You're like, okay, like I don't actually have time to overthink this. Right. So let's go. Right, right. Um, What is it like working with Jen Hildreth? Because, I mean, I feel (laughs) like she is, every time I get to see her in person, it's just like your entire day suddenly becomes better, right? Like she just... She glows and makes better, yeah. Yeah, right. So what what is calling games on Big CBS? Like with Jen Hildreth? Like I have seen her her little prep sheets, right? Where she's got all of her color-coded... Like she seems like she is ready to go at every minute. Yeah, she is such a professional. It's so fun to work with her. And I think, you know, it was interesting because we were out to dinner the night before the game and um, we were just talking about, and one of our directors um, as well. And so the three of us were sitting there chatting and stuff. And what makes it fun is like you, 
we are friends uh, outside, right? And, and Jen and I, like, we've known each other for years or of each other. And now mm-hmm. that we're working more and more together, and we did college soccer last year together. So it's becoming a, like a building relationship. And like the hope is because it's fun and we enjoy each other that that comes out like right. the broadcast too, right? But um, I mean, she's, she's fabulous. I mean, what you see is what you get. I mean, she's, um, I, I hate to kind of word, use the word bubbly because that, I think, implies like she's just like aloof or just like woo right but yeah no, she's incredibly like diligent amount of work her prep right and so to have like a switch like that after you've already done um as you we were just talking about a second ago after already prepping for it and then having to switch i mean sometimes that's a lot more in my opinion more you could argue it's more difficult for the play-by-play more difficult for the analysts we just don't have a ton of video on some of the younger mm-hmm. players right now so right, right. Um, but at the same time for Jen, I mean, just on it, asking questions, always looking to get better. And I feel I'm the same. So we like throw, you know, it works well, but she's great. And you're right. When you see her, you're just like, oh, my day is better. Thank yeah. you, Jen. You're amazing. Okay. So you, you get swapped into North Carolina versus Houston. <laughs> and then it is arguably one of the most nuts games we've had in 2020. <laughs> Oh, like, <laughs> we kind of expected it. We're like, well, North Carolina's playing. Here we go. <laughs> right, right. But I mean, you're also thinking, okay, I'm looking at this North Carolina. There's no box midfield, right? Like, it's essentially Lynn Williams, Dabinia, and then kind of like the 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 park players for North Carolina, right? And then you have Challenge Cup. Like, the narrative is really great. Mm-hmm. But then also, you, I'm sure you cannot be expecting a game that has seven goals plus a red card. Yeah, I mean, it was wild, right? And like, we're like the whole time, like fist pumping. We're like, that's cold, right? Because that's fun. And that's dramatic. And it's great for TV. And um, you kind of expect that with North Carolina. I'm like looking at Jen and I'm like, there's no way this game is over, right? And like, we're like, of course it's not. Look what's happening. So um, yeah, no, I think it's just like, in some ways, it was fabulous. And because the narrative is, was the way it was in terms of North Carolina trying a new formation. I don't even know if this is the question you're asking. So I'm just talking, (laughs) (laughs) but um, you know, we knew that there could probably be a lot of goals because there's going to be some vulnerabilities for both teams. And then, Mm -hmm. but the red card, that was wild. I was like, Alicia chat. What are you doing? (laughs) You are an experienced player. Get out of town with that. Like, come on. So yeah. yeah, So there was a lot of unexpected, um, bizarre. No, yeah. <laughs> it's really how to put it. I mean, it was really as much as I think I was, I was looking forward to the Portland rain game just because that is, mm. you know, I think kind of still one of the best matchups in this league, kind of no matter who the pieces are, there's something about that game in particular. Okay. It's like Portland, Portland is part of the two best rivalries, I think in this league of Portland rain and then Portland, North yeah. Carolina, which I think is actually even more heated. Uh-huh. Um, I, yeah, I was thinking about that in prep too. I was like, you know, this is Cascadia rivalry is amazing, but that one is even like, there's something like an underneath, like I don't yeah. know, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. And which I think also, and this is going in a completely different direction, but I think when at the start of the challenge cup, when Portland, North Carolina came together to make that statement mm-hmm. against racism and police brutality, right? Like that's why that had such an extra weight because the two teams had worked together and knowing that there is like, legitimate animosity between those two teams. I did think that it, it gave it a little bit extra weight, but I do like, I want to talk to you about, yes, I I wrote the column about (laughs) 
the the imminent death of the end of yourself and why <laughs> that is not necessarily the case. But as someone who has, I mean, you've you've really been up and close with Challenge Cup and now Fall Series, right? Where where is your head at in terms of state of the league and you know <laughs> how how we're talking about it? I guess it's not even necessarily state of the league, but how we're talking about the league that I think is the more interesting part. Yeah, um, I actually, you know, I I find that how we're talking about it is so interesting, and I can see where people from the outside too would start to be like panicking. Like, what do you mean? All you see is players going overseas right going overseas um and then it would be like oh my goodness but at the same time I mean I think if you just pull back the layers right you understand and and this is common knowledge at this point in time too it's just like okay players had to make decisions like almost during the challenge cup Mm -hmm. and leading up to the challenge cup and during the challenge cup the same narrative and I mean I wasn't had come conversations with Lisa Baird right the the communication was we have nothing planned after this. We are going to tackle this. We want it to be safe for the players first and foremost. And then we can see, but we're not even looking that far, right? And so players need minutes and you need, and especially with the growth of the game, the competitiveness of the game, that's exciting. So for players to go on short-term loan, I think like great, especially if you don't know, like you have to like, I think the key thing to remember is these players are professionals, right? They want to play soccer, regardless Mm -hmm. of what anybody in the media or outside or friends want to say. Players want to play. And if you're in a professional environment, you have to do what's best for you. And if that means making a decision right then to go, then that's what you have to do. And for a lot of players, once the rumbling started happening too, about like potentially a fall series, well, maybe four games isn't enough. Right. You know, it just isn't. Yeah. And so yeah. and maybe this, and it really depends on the individual, where you are in your career, what makes the most sense. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, sometimes, um, comp- compensation wise, sometimes just like individuality in terms of like your personal stuff. So it's like, at the end of the day, you're a person and you're an athlete at the highest level. You got to do what works for you. And that meant for a lot of people go. Right. And so then you have a fall series that now totally fine. Like, Players have to rise to the occasion. And it's a bub- It's like a fine line, right? Because we can mm-hmm. like drill the players and be like, you've got to be better, right? <laughs> uh, but we're also in the middle of like a global pandemic still and also yeah. like the biggest like social justice uprising we've ever seen, right? So there's yeah. so many other factors. There's a lot happening. Yeah. Thank <laughs> there's you. a lot That's happening. Good. And also like you're being expected to perform. And, and so – that's how I see it. And honestly, what I see is actually still pretty high level play, really high level in some regards, mm-hmm. with some immaturity within the 90 minutes. Right, right. right? And I think one of the things that, you know, and I, I've said this as well, it's also such an interesting amount of games here at the fall series, because we also know that we've got expansion draft coming. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So these teams are actually kind of having to show some of the depth of their roster, probably in a way that they did not actually really want to show ahead yep. of an expansion draft. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching these games and calling these games, is that in the back of your head of just being like, Oh, we're getting a chance to actually see like meaningful minutes for players that we might not otherwise have seen, but are definitely going to be on a potential radar for an expansion draft. Yeah. I think we're seeing, I think we're seeing a lot. I think we're seeing players that potentially can they rot. And what I meant in terms of immaturity, just so we're all clear is that like, you know, in terms of how to close out games, right. Houston mm-hmm. closed that game out. They should have put those chances away in the first half. Then it would have been like 
we wouldn't have seen the dramatics. Well, maybe because of North Carolina, we know they bring. But <laughs> you have the beanie on the field. You never know. You can just see that the minutes, the players haven't had a ton of those minutes to make, like, to understand the ebbs and flows, right? And so I think that's what we're seeing. And we're also seeing, yes, there's some players that are really rising to the occasion that, like, oh, goodness, we haven't seen consistently a lot of them. This mm-hmm. player is good. Are they going to be able to protect this player? If not, like, um, like, I'm all over that, right? Right. um, And then I also think that we're seeing like, hey, can this player, I think there's always question marks. This person's been asked, right, to like, you know, three years into the league, let's say, I'm just, I don't have anybody in mind, I'm just making it up. But like, hey, you've been like touted as the next big thing and you're consistently not getting it done. Like, okay, like probably shouldn't go after you, right? So I think we're seeing Mm -hmm. it both ways. And yeah. 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 Are there any players in particular that you think people should be watching this fall series in terms of, I mean, I feel like I talk a lot about Dabinia all the time and oh. Dabinia really came through for me <laughs> in a major way. Cause I still feel like she is such an underrated part of this league. Mm-hmm. Right. Like obviously she won the MVP award for the championship last year, but like, I don't know if people have quite wrapped their heads around how good and still like how much better she could be right and like how much we're actually probably going to see her in a meaningful way on the international stage as well mm-hmm. but are there any any players that you in particular are watching out for or that you are are trying to highlight in terms of you know upcoming games maybe mm-hmm. well i think i mean i agree wholeheartedly i, I think we could make the case that dabinia is arguably the best player right now in the world the way that she plays the game in my opinion i mean she is fit she gets it done right like it's it's wild like and it's still there's still like we don't hear her name consistently in the mix for that which is wild mm-hmm. right and mm-hmm. especially being the be- one of the best players throughout this league for a long time you know i think there's a there's a few players that i'm still kind of always looking at i mean christy muis like i i have had minutes with the national team with her i think she has like lethal left foot I think she has some gifts that we don't see a ton um and she can play on both sides of the ball I think she can drop deep play make she can also get in front of the goal and I think that she's starting to build that confidence in the system with Houston so she would be one that I would really keep an eye on for sure um you know whenever I get asked these questions then I'm like crap like (laughs) Um, you know I'm curious about Lauren Malay I like her. Mm-hmm. And we don't see her enough throughout the games. I mean, granted, she played like, you know, it's like hasn't been able to play a ton of minutes. So right. um, take this with a grain of salt. But I think she has some amazing gifts. And I think if she can continue to grow, I like what she provides. And obviously, if, she, if you're playing alongside Linda Williams and Dabini every day, then like you're bound to get. Um, yeah. Some yeah. T- the training environment in North Carolina has to be pretty, <laughs> yeah. pretty yeah. decent, I think. Tips, for sure. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I'm trying to think who else. I'm I'm really curious about a Dorian Bailey. Okay. Um, for a Washington Spirit because, and I feel like you know some people could be like, what? Like I don't understand that pick. But I think there's always some there's some players that provide you some real professionalism that you don't see all the time. And she's not going to be super flashy, right? She's not going to um, be this crunching tackle. But she can play so many positions, and the team is better. Because mm-hmm. she can play every time in the Challenge Cup. Andy Sullivan goes down, your best player. She steps in almost seamlessly, right? You're not going to mm-hmm. be able to replace, like for like with Andy. Last weekend, they were struggling outside back position. She goes out to right back, makes them better, right? right. And there's just so many gifts that she has that go unnoticed by just like an average viewer, or even like 
even like professional viewers, right? That are like into it. She just does simple things that I think could translate to a higher level. And then, I don't know. I'm trying to think who else I've been curious about. If there's anybody. Rocky Rock, yes. Yes, yes. Is there anyone that you're looking at for Orlando? Because, I mean, we have not seen <laughs> Orlando yet yes. in 2020. They're on national television <laughs> next week. Oh, I know. I just wrote my prep for them tonight. So we just got a whole bunch of game notes. So I was going through. So I'm actually, like, still kind of curious about who's on the roster. I'm like, who's right. there? <laughs> um, Sidla Rue. I mean, yeah. obviously, you know, well, it's, it's more a combination. I'm curious about, this has been the struggle I feel that Orlando's had almost their entire, like, to their, like, their existence. Their yeah, exactly, yeah. existence, is um, that they've had too much of a gap. They've had these national team players, and then they have these players that have, like, no experience that just can't quite fill it, right? And so that's what I'm more curious about is how some of those players with the experience, Ali. Krieger, Sid LaRue, Ashlyn Harris, how that's going to be able to mesh with some of those players that they have. Because without making this super long-winded, I was really excited to see them in the champions, um, in the challenge cup, excuse me, because I thought they had bridged right. that gap. And then obviously we know what happened. They couldn't yeah. wait. And then um, basically the entire team dispersed across the world. You. you said it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we're like, wait a second, what's happening now? So that's what I feel like I'm most curious about this weekend. But you know, I, I do think that Sid LaRue could back, come back with some fire, right? Mm-hmm, and now she's mm-hmm. got some train, even more training and stuff. So I, I'm, I'm pretty excited. I think let's keep an eye. Sid's always one to like be like, let, watch out. Here we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the one name for Orlando that's been really interesting for me is uh, I actually ran into Kate Howarth at the end of oh, his yeah. whole draft this year, okay, right? Yeah. And I know her because Boston, right? Yeah, like I used to live in WSL. <laughs> right, right. And she was in WPSL Elite, right? Yeah. So, and she she like came up to me next next to me at the draft and was like, yeah, I'm going to try out for some teams this year. And I was like, where? Like, I, she, yeah. I think she was like a paramedic or, you know, like, you know, she, she'd gone off to a, a career and then she's like, no, I feel better than I've ever felt before. Like, and so to see her get added to that Orlando Pride roster and and she's played with Sid in Boston, right? Yeah. So I'm actually, I'm yeah. pretty curious to see what comes out of that. And, you know, on a, and I'll, I'll just say one other thing to that is like, that's the thing, right? Because when you think about expansion draft, and I think that's what the narrative could be too, is like, yes, we're seeing some players go over. Great. They're going to be coming back. It's all fine, right? We have expansion draft. We have exciting news all around with LA coming in mm-hmm. with um, what's the team in Northern California? Sacramento. Sacramento, cool. yeah. San Antonio. That's totally not. They the- still they still need to formally announce, but yeah, that, exactly. like that's a thing I've reported. I feel confident about talking about. Perfect. And then Louisville, right? So, mm-hmm. um, and there's gonna have there's gonna be ha- players that are going to be in roles that like they haven't seen themselves in before because there's going to be more positions. Right. Right. So to talk about Kate, right. And hear this story about her coming back and like, that's awesome. We're seeing players that are going to need to step up and shine and like, and can, that just haven't been able to because the league has been so tight in terms of numbers. Right. Right. All right. So I want to shift us still NWSL, but kind of a different topic. And this is something that I feel like the conversations are still, are still going in a, in a huge way, but I want to talk about building a better, more inclusive NWSL. And obviously not, neither of us have like real institutional power here. So this <laughs> is all like a theoretical conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there's there's multiple parts to this. And I want to start us in a territory we're probably both a little more comfortable, which is like the queer angle to this mm -hmm. of, you know, there was this big statement during Challenge Cup where NWSL issued a press release about having the Pride Games during Challenge Cup because of the timing, right? Mm -hmm. And Lisa Baird is like really the first NWSL person to ever like be like, no, we like gay people like actively out loud, right? Like that has not happened in this league before and says pride celebrations are foundational to who we are as a league. Mm -hmm. um, you know, obviously we have mostly seen the league embrace <laughs> in general. Where do you think maybe some of the next steps are for the league, obviously recent news involving Quinn of OL Reign coming out as transgender, right? Like a big ask there for correct pronouns, right? Which I feel like is going to be a bit of a challenge, most likely for this league to <laughs> wrap his head around. You're right. Yeah. Um, not necessarily like I, I, you know, you work with Athlete Ally, right? Like I think both of us are, are very much in this world, but um, a lot of that coverage <laughs> Mm -hmm. of coins coming out also included dead names, right? So we we do still need to do some work on the media side as well. But where in terms of NWSL would you like to see maybe a next step on if we're going to build a more inclusive league mm -hmm. on the queer side first? Let's start there because I think that might be maybe an easier one for both of us to kind of think through. Mm -hmm. Um do you mean just in general the league how they can become more inclusive yeah yeah um i think one and i say this i think let's just be open in general about our dialogue right sometimes i feel like um and and this would be to women's soccer in general so this i put nwsl into this mm -hmm. and tell me if i'm going off not answering the question but um we've had to hold like women's soccer so gingerly it feels like because we've had to protect it for so long right and it's okay to be like this is what needs to get done and mm -hmm. like do or this is what we're working on and we're okay if we get it wrong but this is the path we're trying to, to trying to work right and so i think one being more vocal about where the league's going and wants to do right and not being so secretive about things and mm -hmm. then also in turn we don't have to hold like this like with like does this all make sense so like it's yeah oh yeah absolutely fragile, right we're not fragile right. because players are going on loan it's not the end of nwsl right mm -hmm. in fact this is the growth of women's sports and women's professional sport so from the queer aspect i think it one, I think we be vocal that, yep, we're on board, right? Mm -hmm. We support this. We come out, say it. We're, yep, we're all on board. And then, honestly, we need to be there in conjunction with Athlete Ally, but there needs to be, like, trainings. There needs to be, like, I am, like, and I feel like this is why I love, again, I told you I love broadcast because it feels like a, I'm the same path as a player, right? It's the highs and lows. It's live, right? But right. So, I'm like, yes, when one for when, because I'm like, so you are great. We respect your pronouns. That's simple enough. We can say your pronouns as we mm -hmm. should. But also for me, this is a huge dialogue shift for not only um, society, but the NWSL. Like we have to get that right. And there's going to be people that don't have a clue, 
right? And so I'm like, can there need to be like some sort of training or bring in people that can help because there just needs to be more um, moving forward and not just being winging it. I should right, right, yeah, yeah. And I think that's also maybe getting me to my my next part is you know obviously with the news around Utah, right, which mm-hmm. has stemmed out of protests in MLS over police brutality and and police killings, right? They refuse to play. It turns into this kind of avalanche of news around Dolly Hansen. And, you know, obviously Zara King is kind of at the center of it on the Royal side. Mm -hmm. Um, Black players of the NWSL make this statement. Obviously, there is a tremendous amount of work to be done on the NWSL side in order to figure out how to like actually embrace a black players coalition. Mm -hmm. Um, I think MLS is obviously a little bit further along because the coalition has existed longer. And I think, you know, you've also also covering MLS too. Like you've seen both sides of this in terms of, you know, I, I feel like based on my conversations, just even looking at Utah, there is not necessarily um, trainings on a lot of these things. Like, it's not just like, I don't know if there's no training. (laughs) Yeah. I just like part of it is internal education from, and, and HR is always kind of like this questionable thing too, because HR is fundamentally built to protect the institution and not necessarily the players. Right. But like, do we have mechanisms and systems in place in this league to, have players feel safe that they can report things if, if something is happening, right? Like obviously Mitch Purse has opened up a lot about conversations that have happened in the locker rooms, right? And having to be like, I have to convince other players of like fundamental truths, right? That are just kind of yep. facts. Mm-hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe it is just the first step is how do you put A, those systems in place for players to report, but also how do you put those systems in place for players, coaches, staff, like everyone kind of in this world to go through some training. I'm guessing with your work in Athlete Ally, like there are at least some programs on that front, right, that could get pulled over. Yeah, they are actually working on an educational um, platform right now that would go out for professional athletes and coaches, which Mm -hmm. I feel like those are the next steps. Like that needs to be mandatory because I think, you know, uh, an ongoing dialogue that was taking place in the challenge cup. Cause we we're all like up close and personal with that. Right. But that would mm-hmm. be an ongoing dialogue all the time. Whether you want to pay attention, white people <laughs> want to pay attention to it or not. Right. Is it's not the black players responsibility. Mm-hmm. It's all the toll that that took on the challenge cup emotionally, physically with like all the physical, physical aspects that Utah and not having played for a number of months. Right. And then games back to back, but then also, for some teams that were very open about the conversations that were ongoing. Right. Mm-hmm. And how, yes, that did bring teams together, but also it was just emotionally so draining. Right. And so it's like, to me, for me, it's a couple of things on that front. It's like, whether you're talking about LGBTQ plus aspects, where you're talking about racial injustice, right. Black players coalition is one. It starts with the individuals. How do you get people um, to care about this right. it doesn't directly affect you. Right. Mm-hmm. And then two, also like the trainings have to be there because it's, it, we're just one, this is where we currently are, but it can get better. 
mm-hmm. needs to be better, right? And I believe right. that, but it also does start with the white players and taking the responsibility and the initiative to say, hey, these are the programs that are in place. I'm going to take this, right? Actually, I actually have a, um, a course that I'm, it's like a self, um, self-paced self course that I'm going to take that I'm going to send to a lot of my broadcasters because it's important to understand what players are going, even though we're on this side of the camera, mm-hmm. what players are going through, right? And also not just in athletics. It's such a great platform, but society, right? To understand or try to at least, right? And believe what's happening um, and listen. So, um yeah, but these pl- there has to be some sort of trainings that like, and I don't know if you make it mandatory, but I'm like at this point in time, you should be a mandatory because like, yeah. there's no question. Like it's, right. just, it's like you're in the same locker room as these people. Right. It has to be better. Yeah. No, and I think that that's been kind of the struggle of navigating the sense of how much responsibility do you put on white players? How much, you know, I feel like, and this was something I said in a, in a thing that I did with Mitch Purse, but like, I mean, women's soccer has been overwhelmingly white, right? Like it is just kind of the way that the game is currently set up in this country to enable <laughs> white women to like right ascend. Right with society. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So, but how do you A, get them to care, but B, equip them to have conversations, yeah. right? I think that's the key part of it, but also how do you sidestep the defensiveness maybe, right? Like how do you, and this is where I think I start to struggle with things is I think social media pressure is good and, and can be productive, but also like this having a whole bunch of NWSL fans like chasing after a player for not getting it right off the bat, right? Like how do you get people to that level? How do you like carry them up? And one of the interactions I keep going back to is actually Katie Nolan and Carly Lloyd, like really early on into this where Katie was like, I'm a little bit ahead of you on this ladder and I got to get you to my rung. Like I at least have to get you to my rung. And how do I do that in a way that is productive for both of us? Yes. And my partner and I talk about this all the time because you don't have to be miles ahead, right? Like I think a lot of people will see, and I'll use Megan, such a close friend of mine, right? They'll see mm-hmm. men out in the forefront, right? And knows what she's talking about and she's not backing down and it's yep. unbelievable. And we need that, right? Mm-hmm. And I think people are like crawling into a hole <laughs> because they're like, oh, good. I have no clue, right? And yeah. I'm not going to be her and I don't want to be that. Right. Yeah. Because, and, and that's also fine too. But I think it's the responsibility if you're a step ahead. I think you and I had a previous conversation about this too briefly on the phone. But, like, yes, if you're even just one step ahead, it's your responsibility to say something and then bring that person up. To, and you, you, you don't always know what that's going to do for that person, mm-hmm. how to learn hearing it, what that means in the next steps for them. But that, those are the little moments of responsibility. And yes, I mean, you're right it's a tough part about being a professional athlete and you're, it's kind of the thing that you say yes to when you decide you're going to play professional sports is you're opening yourself up to a lot of in quotes, right. And so, and you're not going to get it right. And I think that's the tough part is like, yes, it's tough when people are coming at you and you're not getting it right. And um, you're being shot down and, and quite frankly, not everyone has the full story on what's mm-hmm. happening too. And that's always yeah. tough because you're right. being hearted and you don't actually know the background. But in those cases, you're, I agree wholeheartedly with you. It's just about making those inter- incremental steps and being the yeah. one, like, eh, you need to catch up a bit quicker here. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> like being, it's, you gotta do it in like a loving fashion of like, ooh, great. 
let's yeah <laughs> let's... in a way that like you kind of have to understand who you're working with but that's right. what sports is about too like you need to be knowing that in the locker room and who you're working with out in the field so it's kind of like okay i can see maybe this person's gonna probably gonna hear this more sensitively right well i'll probably need to take hey this is something i've been thinking about in my own life right mm -hmm. maybe mm -hmm. would you be interested in hearing this right right boy then listen because <laughs> some people would be up for that so yeah 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 and I do, I do think I mean your point about Megan is obviously I mean I remember being in France uh it was July 3rd and she had this like I mean she also has an ability to just kind of like start talking and get to a, a point where you're just like oh okay so we're gonna we're gonna a like be in for like the I don't want to use the word lecture because that's not the right word. It's like she's got like a, her little sermon that she's got ready to go, right? Yeah. About scarcity and like all that kind of stuff. But July 3rd, she's out here being like, we need to look at the history of this country, right? <laughs> and really think about the 4th of July. Yeah. And I, I transcribed the quote, put it on Twitter. And then a lot of photoshopped Megan Rapinoe holding a Trump flag later was just like, okay, so... <laughs> Yep. I have now seen where this is going to go. Uh -huh. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like it is, it is definitely an ongoing situation. And I think it is very interesting to see all of the different directions that social media can take it. This is a, a conversation that my wife and I have a lot because she is not a Twitter person and Twitter stresses her out in many, many ways. But it's always, I think, a thing that I try to remember is like, it is just one piece of it. Right? Yeah. Like it is just one piece of our world and it is unfortunately a piece I spend too much time on every day, but <laughs> <laughs> it is, it is not necessarily like the be all and end all of a person. Right. Yeah. And yeah. a lot of the more, I think all of the productive conversations I've ever had about this have never been like in public <laughs> on Twitter. Yeah. They have been on the phone or in DMs or trying to figure out or, or parse something with a person. So that's my... I, I've I've been thinking about that for months, so it's yeah. always and there's a there's an aspect that's like in in this specific conversation of like her we need to like push the pace because we got a mm -hmm. lot of ground to make up and also it's about like understanding who we're working with too exactly what right. we're saying right because it's like yeah we can push the pace <laughs> we need to speed up but some there's a lot of big gap for a lot yeah. of people, right? So it's like, we gotta, we gotta figure out the balance and it's, yeah. it's just, yeah, it's, it's yeah. not easy. So, right. and I don't right. have all the answers. I probably have way more questions and I'm like, Oh, just keep going. Like, yeah. like yeah. And pointing yeah. to who we're paying attention to. is really Right. Yeah. All right. So also speaking of Megan on another front, I do want to talk to you about your role on the Athletes Council because I'm always very fascinated. I also got to sit through the public portion of a U.S. soccer board meeting this past weekend, uh -huh. which I feel like people think that they would want to watch. And then I... <laughs> no, no, you don't. <laughs> you don't like, well, yeah. I saw a couple of tweets being like, man, where can I watch this? And I was like, you don't want to, trust me. <laughs> Um, can you first maybe like explain to folks what your role is on the Athletes Council and and you know, there are obviously other women's national team players on it, but like general sense of, of what you do and who else you talk to kind of on a regular basis about that work. Yeah. So there's 20 athletes, um, 10 national team players, either current or former on the women's side and on the men's, but like also mixed in with like um, Paralympic athletes and just trying to like encompass everybody that we oversee in us soccer essentially. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, we, 
we have 20% vote when it comes to um, the election for the president. So that's mm-hmm. why we have been powerful. I mean, we're powerful. It's like so weird, but um, that's why we are powerful, right? Especially if we vote as a collective unit because we can sway right. one way or another. Mm-hmm. And also a lot that U.S. soccer does is like because of the athletes, right? Right. Play where in existence. So, um, and in terms of our role too, it's interesting because some people are really engaged, some aren't. It's, um, I think it's one thing that's becoming um, more clear because it hasn't always been utilized to the best of the ability. And and now that's, we're trying to iron that out and see how we can be um, more focused, I guess, and um, more helpful and impactful mm-hmm. in in whatever direction, but we can go to the the board and and there's also myself, Chris Aarons, and Carlos Bocanegra are three athletes who are on the board. So we have three representat- representatives from that right. council. And now, so, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say the the athletes council also. I mean, this is not necessarily recent news, but you know, became a little more influential than maybe outside of the election than usual with the request to remove the bylaw about kneeling or rather right. standing for the anthem. Yeah. And so that's what I was going to get at too about yeah. after giving that little bit of background is that like, we can really like, we are listened to by the board. So we mm-hmm. can go as like the three representatives on the board. We'll have calls, you know, actually semi-frequently really with the athlete council and say, Hey, here's, here's what's happening within us soccer. This is what's going on with the board. Do you, how do we want to handle this? Right. And so when the, um, the national anthem repeal came about, it was like, what is the most effective way to, um, to, to move the way that we want. Right. right? And so that's when we wrote the letter and stuff. Right. So it's listened to and and we're impactful more than just the presidency. Yes. Mm -hmm. What is what has been, you know, now we do actually have another presidential election coming up. I know that was kind of the big news, like there, no, right? Like I, I definitely was sending a few messages to be like, oh boy, I just really realized that we're going to have to live through a presidential cycle all over again. Yeah, exactly. Just knowing the last one, but what, I guess, how, when does your term end? On the Athletes Council. Yeah, you know what? I was just thinking about that, too. And I forget. It's like a 10. You have to. Um, and because it's um, a little bit tricky. So it's you can only serve on the Athlete Council within 10 years of the last date you played, essentially. Got it. I can't even remember. So I think I have like another five years or something, um, if that's correct. And then I left. Oh, no. Actually, maybe not because it's when I play with the national team, not when I... So I only have about three years. Yeah. Okay. So it's like All such right. a weird thing, like how long before you can't... You have to like sign off, so... Right, right. I mean, are you looking forward to <laughs> U.S. soccer? I mean, it is a very interesting time for the Federation. I mean, we can discuss some of their choices that they have made recently when it comes to perhaps merchandising, right? Like, that's uh, not necessarily what you're dealing with. We can detour into U.S. soccer cuties if you would like to. I don't... We all know it's terrible, okay? We were like, (laughs) who's behind this? We just need to talk to you because, come on, cuties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But in terms of, you know, obviously Carlos resigning due to the lawsuit, essentially, right? Like, there are a lot of factors. We, We did witness how the last election went, right? with having stronger voices, obviously, uh, 
Hope Solo had a very mm-hmm. interesting platform. And I think that she had a lot of great points. She's also been in the news again recently due to the Hall of Fame thing, right? Like there are a lot of factors at play, but in terms of what I think U.S. soccer's biggest priorities are, obviously like they've still got the equal pay thing hanging out, right? Like there has been no resolution on that front. But, you know, a huge chunk of that most recent board meeting was also dedicated to the internal programs for diversity and inclusion. Mm -hmm. And there's a real question about, okay, obviously you've also got 2026 coming up for U.S. soccer, right? Like there is this kind of external pressure of knowing we've got to host a World Cup in a few years. There are some big questions about like where U.S. soccer could go. So I guess... (laughs) <laughs> it's obviously art, like that only just got announced, but you know, do you, do you maybe have hope that there could be no pun intended for uh former <laughs> presidential candidates, but do you, do you have some hope that maybe you could get a real candidate or two in here that could steer the Federation in a direction that maybe we have not seen before? I do. I really do. And I mean, I think that's what we have to go with is hope, right? And mm-hmm. I think, you know, one of the things that's been interesting for me, just as like my progression on the board is, um, you know, coming in, everyone was like, you know, it's going to take a little bit of time for you to understand like the workings of the board and the U.S. soccer. There's so mo- many moving pieces. And I, I don't think people quite understand that either. Like there's, mm-hmm. there's a lot. Well, there's youth soccer influence, right? Like yeah. there's a lot of political. Yeah. And there's, there's groups for every single outlet. Right. And so, and it's like to get everybody on the same page is just not totally realistic, but it's like, how can you get on the closest? Right. Mm-hmm. And I think what has become clear to me, especially really a kind of, um, it came quicker than I thought too, just because of it needed with everything, uh, the ongoings at the beginning of the year was just like, okay, I have this prior experience playing. I have sat on the board now for, it would have been less than a year, but um, I'm seeing the inner workings here and how can I be a voice of reason for the things that I really care about? Right. Because it's, it's hard to know the inner workings of every little thing. So for me, it was like, how can I be the most impactful? And a lot of that had to do, obviously, with the women's national team. It has to do with the um, the national stand, not standing for the national anthem, if players don't, the repeal, right? Mm-hmm. And then having um, close, close conversations about the diversity and inclusion as much as we can. Like, those are the things that I feel like the big tickets – that we need to move forward to start to have not cuties shirts, right? Put out like <laughs> yeah. whoever. That's, that's, yeah, that's a small. Right? Yeah, that's a small thing. But like, right? It's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's a small thing. But I feel like it just shows kind of like the inner workings of a whole bigger thing, right? Mm-hmm. And so we've you know, as much as U.S. soccer in some ways has gotten some things right, and we've been in the forefront of women's soccer and pushing that, there's a lot of things that we all can acknowledge that have gone woefully wrong, right? And so those are the, the things I just mentioned are the big tickets that I feel like I can help push forward. And that does include like, yes, getting somebody in there that has like a broader understand. not that I know one's had an understanding, but like a really broad understanding and caring about those things too that are going to make and help that women's soccer is not just a white women's sport, mm-hmm. right? And that means from the ground, 
grassroots and up, right? Right. And, and like just getting in there to the roots and be like, here we go. And mm-hmm. we're going to uproot everything and with the same kind of foundation, but we can really like shake some things up here. And we need to, quite honestly. Right, right. So. I mean, I I feel like a lot of people look at the one nation or one, <laughs> one nation, one team, right? <laughs> and there are a lot of questions about... <laughs> Just the general <laughs> approach of of one nation, one team. I mean, it's at least slightly better than U.S. soccer cuties. So we, you know, like we're one step above. But yeah. in terms of of trying to figure out, you know, maybe what comes next for U.S. soccer to to maybe actually like resemble what feels like a very hopeful phrase, right? In terms of actually standing together and, and whether that be men's national team, women's national team, or, you know, again, Paralympics, like I feel like the, the Paralympics teams are kind of off on an Island sometimes. Oh goodness. Totally are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just also like Latinx inclusion, right. In this country and, and obviously black players actually having some sort of platform and, and ability to influence the Federation and, and be listened to, and queer representation, right? Like moving beyond the kind of putting rainbow stuff on jerseys and being like, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we accomplished it. It's done. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, you know, is there, do you see a path to having one nation, one team, maybe actually kind of resemble a federation that we could, we could have in the future? Um, I think we're pretty far from that right now. And I say all of this, and I think it's more than okay to be saying this. And this is where I found like, you know, I was talking about like my evolution being on the board and stuff is like, okay, we need to be pointing out things that like, Mm -hmm. no, this isn't okay. Right. This isn't, this might like be good for a few people, but this isn't good for a whole federation of people that are underneath this umbrella by any means. Right. So yes, again, I, I am hopeful and I am, typically an optimistic person. So I'm like, yes, these are the things, but it requires like, it's going to require, it's like, this isn't just like, Hey, when things are getting tough, right. This isn't just like June pride month. Woo. And then forget about it. The other 11 yeah. months. Right. And that's an easy one to think about because it's, a lot of companies have gotten on board with that. This is it when we see, um, because social media has allowed us to see police brutality against black people um, that we just care about it when it seemed to be the worst. And then we, everyone gets back to like, quote unquote, normal, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, this is the work that needs to be done. And we have in it. And it's like requires momentum and it requires every single day to show up and do that. But I do believe, yes, we are far away. That's why those big ticket things I was talking about are so important because that has to be the focus because that is the foundation for everything else to take place and basically infiltrate everything yeah. going on. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking about, and I think we'll, we'll end it here, but I will be thinking about your image of like, we're holding, you know, women's soccer, <laughs> like we're just kind of like clutching yeah. it yeah. to our, right. Like a light helps everything mm-hmm. I think. Right. And actively talking about this stuff helps everything, but also the concept that we can't look at something and love it and also want it to be better. Right. Like mm-hmm. we don't have to be defensive about it. Right. Like I think that's kind of where 
I think, you know, immediate next step is of we don't have to be defensive or guarded about these things. We can say like, we both love it and also would like it to be better. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think about that all the time. It's like broadcast, right. In terms of women's soccer, because it's like, listen, it's okay. Like this person, we consider one of the best in the world. If they're they're playing bad. They're playing bad. That's just honest, right? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and it's great because we have a platform to be able to say that. It's not a. It's not like a attack on that actual person. It's just like, hey, this is the case, right? And like, mm-hmm. why is that, right? And right. And so I think, and that's the same thing that we can ask the same questions across the board. It's like, hey, listen, this isn't good enough. This isn't good enough, and we all have a responsibility. And like, what does that look like? And why or why is that? And start asking those questions and peeling back the layers to uncover, right? So. Yeah. All right. I mean, I I personally feel better about. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, good. You're in the mix, right? Like, you're like a hundred steps ahead of a lot of people. So like, you got to rally you up. Right. Yeah. Right. All right. Well, thank you for having. Uh, please tell people where they can find you. What you would like them to be looking at. Um, I always like to to give the the self promo platform at the end yeah, of the episode. Be great. Uh, basically, Lori Lindsay six across the board with um i mean instagram and twitter i guess and uh, i've seen that you're like off the facebook and so yeah. i'm not there very much yeah. Either, but um <laughs> yeah honestly like i love when people interact and reach out and i'm open to having like conversation stuff a lot of my stuff is centered around either like racial or like any sort of queer situation and with yeah. a ton of soccer mixed in so you know all right that things. um right. But yeah, um, reach out. I mean, I don't really have anything else to say. It's not like I'm posting a ton, really. Like I, you know, have a fine line with social. Media. I'm kind of like, you know, trying yeah. to figure out social media and what that. Right, is. right. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely Facebook. Finally, finally got me, <laughs> and I was just like, I gotta, I can't, I don't use it for work. I don't need it. It's okay. I'm gonna be okay. Yeah, yeah. And I already spend too much time on Twitter, but that's that's the gig for You're me. So it's yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for so much of your time. I super appreciate it. Uh, hopefully everyone tunes in to all of these games on CBS and CBS Sports Network. It is. Yeah, dude, they're fun. And thank yeah. you. This is awesome. Love it. All right. Thank you to Lori for so much of her time this week, but I already want her back on the show. So hopefully everyone agrees with me on that front. One more thing for you, and, and technically this might be two things, but as part of the new features around The Athletic, we're doing this A1 feature story. And there have been a couple that have been really good reads that I thought my listeners would particularly appreciate. Katie Strang, who is this complete rock star in investigative reporting, especially around USA Hockey, went long on Carrie Blakinger, who is now a criminal justice reporter but grew up a figure skater. It's just an incredible read. I don't want to spoil you on it because it is a ride. And then my coworker Pablo Mara at, at the Soccer Vertical, he is the master of finding stories no one else has told about North American soccer. Describe the night Diego Maradona played for a Toronto Italia. And I know what he's working on now with Matt Pence, and I am just, I'm so deeply ready for that story to be in a place where I can read it, even like I want it to be on the site, but I'm ready to read it. And please just know that the word quest has been used a lot on our, our team calls unironically. But I want you to read both of those stories that are already up. They've really set the standard for my own A1 piece coming later this fall. Both of those links will be in our episode description. That's it for this week's episode of Full Time with Meg Linehan. If you don't already subscribe to Full Time, you can do that at all of the usual podcast places, including Apple, Spotify, and The Athletic itself. We are ad-free on The Athletic if that's a factor for you. 
If you do have an extra five minutes, your ratings and reviews on Apple are always a huge help so more people can help. You can help more people to find the show. And as a reminder from the top of the show, if you don't subscribe to The Athletic already, you're getting NWSL and U.S. Women's National Team and U.K. Women's Football coverage, plus everything else we have to offer. The NBA is a wild time right now. You might want to be reading about it. That's all for $1 a month at theathletic.com slash full-time. You can find me on Twitter at It's Meg Linehan. Our podcast producer is Michael Zimmerman from The Athletic. I'm Meg Linehan. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.